everybody. Wow. I like doing that voice. Ah. It's a little hair carrying. It is hair carrying. Today's special, though. It is special, Scott. Because we went on location to Red Handed Tattoo Parlor. I like when we go mobile. Right. And we went to a tattoo parlor of all places. That's right. Have you ever listened to a podcast but outside? I want to do that sometime. Two guys just go set up in a park and ask random people their stories. And it is unbelievable what people will just come up and tell two random guys in a microphone in a park. Mm. I'm send it to you. You should listen. Yeah. But that's not what we did. We talked to a guy that you know. Yeah, you got Micah, to know. Micah Harrell. He's a really cool guy. He's a local tattoo artist. Owns Red Handed Tattoo. He's a fantastic artist, but he's also great with community. He's a do-gooder. He is a do-gooder. And Reader's Digest recognized him nationally. Yeah, as one of the... Na- he is the nicest place in Louisiana. Business in the state of Louisiana. Yeah, he nicest was, business. Uh, nominated and did it, and we get to hear that story, mm-hmm. which actually became two stories. Yeah, it came... Actually, there was more than that. We didn't record half the stuff that he was talking about. Absolutely. So, Micah... Interesting, interesting guy. We appreciate it, and we want you to get to know Micah and hear what's going on with him. He's got an awesome life and an awesome story. That's right. Thanks for downloading this episode. Make sure you subscribe. You don't miss a single episode of Backstage with the Simple Church. Check out this conversation with Micah. Scott, we're on location today. Yes. And something that we've never done. Something that you've never done. That's true. Yeah, we're at Red Handed Tattoo Parlor. And why are we here? We're here to talk to Micah Harold. Micah on the microphone. Hey, Micah on guys. the mic. Hey, Micah is a tattoo artist. Is that you fair are. to consider? Tattoo artist, yes. Is that the mm. title you prefer? It, it, tattooer, tattoo artist is great, either one. Absolutely. And yes. Scott actually chased down this lead, her I great did. story that has been... Well, because you are a force in the community... Thank you. Yeah, and we have mutual friends, Chad and Brandy Alexander, uh, Brock. Yeah, so. Love those guys. Yeah, Jackie Brock and several other people. He was just on Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we've heard lots of stories about you, and we said we had to come talk to Micah. I love that. And we've been here talking to you for an hour before we even recorded, and all the stories have lived up and beyond the hype. (laughs) And we want to share that with some people listening today. I appreciate that. Oh, man, absolutely. So let's jump into Red Hand. Talk about it. You started. You founded Red Hand. Tell us about the meaning, what it is, and where we're at. Uh, I guess about eight years ago, uh, I went out on my own and wanted to tattoo and, and just be an entrepreneur, and I was really uncertain about life. I... Uh, you know, and, and, and what a huge venture it would be going out on my own. So I had this road ahead of me, and, and I chased it down. And um, fast forward to the present, Red Handed Tattoo and has been good to me, and, and tattoos in general have good to, have been good to me here in Shreveport and Bossier. And the community is, has received me uh, um, with, with a lot of love. So I try to reciprocate that as much as possible, which I, I feel like I've been um, focusing on over the, over the past few years and, and, and giving back. Um, not only just to other artists and other musicians who are on their way up, um, uh, aspiring creators, but really, you know, people walking down the street who need a helping hand. You know, people who come into our lives for only these brief moments. What kind of what kind of uh, effect are we going to have on those people in those brief moments? And what are they going to take away with them? So I've really been focusing on that aspect of my life and how I can improve those um, relationships and bonds in my own life through um uh, uh, compassion kindness uh, and you and don't get me wrong i'm no saint we we all fall short i fall short so many times but working up to that case in point when i first opened up red handed tattoo what you see around Shreveport and highland wasn't quite as saturated you, you know you see a lot of people walking up and down the street and not all of them are doing all that great and it may not have been as um as as much back then as you see now but every now and then i'd find somebody sleeping on the bench 
over there and I'd be like, look, I thought I was doing a good thing. I'd be like, here's five bucks. I can't have you sit here. You know, uh, go sleep down at this guy's place instead <laughs> and get yourself some lunch, right? But, you know, I really thought I was doing someone a service. But, you know, throwing money at somebody is the least you can do, really, especially mm. if you have a lot of it, right? And um, so I started to evolve that idea and really just started getting in, getting in people's heads like, hey, man, what's up? Where, where are you going and what you doing? Um, and trying to find the base level in which I can communicate with someone who I have very little uh, in common with, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so hard to picture ourselves on the other side of things. Like, you know, when you start looking at people on the street telling yourself that could have been me, then it changes the way that we perceive others who are less fortunate than us, you know? So it's been my philosophy for some time over the past couple of years, instead of walking over people in your path in life, help them up along the way. And, and that's all, you know, I, I may not be the, uh, the richest man in the world, but I am rich with people who stop me in the parking lot, hmm. who see me in the grocery stores with my kid, who see me out in the street, you know, hey, Micah, you, you know, you did this thing for me last year, and I want you to know I, I'm out of rehab. Uh, I got my own apartment. I'm on my medicine now. Everything's going great. Yeah. That's better. That reward is better than any amount of money that he could have given me. Yeah. So I think about it, it's a wonderful life. We have a sign in my house that says no man's poor that has friends. Yeah, watch that's that right. movie every year and it's such a true thing that you're investing in people and that's who you are and just talking to you for this little bit, we already can tell that. And then the story that really I think kinda puts you on everybody's radar was when you got robbed here at right. the shop. So let's talk about that. It's a pretty crazy yeah, story. Pretty, Very crazy. It's pretty wild. Well, you know, I've had my fair share of wild before, so when it happened, Oddly enough, I was in control of my own faculties. Hmm. My heart rate wasn't up. My mind wasn't racing. I was quite calm, really in disbelief. But the young man, his, his name is Josh, he, he, uh, he cased the place earlier. And, um, you know, I remember it so vividly. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was born in Cedar Grove. I've had my place cased a lot, actually, you know. Um, back then, though, I had bars on the doors and windows. And it wasn't a huge concern of mine, but... Um, here, here in Highland, as, uh, as we started to see um, a few things develop, like uh, homelessness and, and drugs on the street, and we started coming across these problems more frequently, that's when it started becoming more of a concern, but really not so much until that day. Now, Josh came into the front door, and back then the door would open freely for anybody who wanted to come in. Right now we got the Dr. Evil titanium lock <laughs> that no one's going to get in. Everybody's lucky I don't have the laser sharks, too. In Thank the, goodness. Right. Sharks are freaking laser beams. Lasers. I <laughs> would have invested in that, but evidently it's against health code. So um, I health had to code. forfeit. <laughs> no sharks in the... They frown on that. They do. Oh, there and, you go. Uh, I learned something. Right. So no sharks. But um, so Josh parked his bicycle in the back and came around the side. It's quite dark and, it's in, in, you know, it's hard to get through. A lot of brush and, and whatnot. And he came around the front door, and when he came in, um, he had his gun stretched straight out, pointed to Shane, who was behind the counter. Now, I'd been tattooing my friend, um, and he was on a table. And my friend, my other friend, Javon, who, it was just his bad luck. He came in for five minutes to say hi to me. Hey, Micah, how's it going? Da-da-da. And in that time, Josh comes in with the gun, and is sticking up everybody. 
So I'm tattooing, and um, my customer puts his hand straight up in the air, and and I'm like thinking, oh, this is weird. What's he doing now? <laughs> I mean, like, come on, he's an Air Force guy, so you know he's not all the way right, anyways. So oh man, I'm just kidding. I'm Blake's just kidding. dad, Air Force guy, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I love my Air Force guys, you know, um, but they would agree with me on that too. So, uh, so, and I look up, and Javon's arms are up. So Javon, who was just in here for a little bit, um, Javon had left his baby outside in the car along with his girl, and um, and along with his firearm, which I guess I would have left my firearm with the person who had my baby too. So it's logical. Unfortunately. Um, it was one of those moments where he wished he had it. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, and and in retrospect, it was one of those moments I was glad he didn't. Hmm. Um, so Josh comes in, he's sticking up the place, and he's rather upset that there's only $300. We had a big PayPal day that day, and we did most of our um, income over the Internet. So we didn't have a whole lot of cash, but he was he took what we did have off of our hands along with the tips that Shane had in the back. Now, first thing I noticed about Josh was that his hands were trembling while he had the gun. And um, and that tells me immediately that Josh wasn't, a, Josh wasn't a thug. He wasn't, this wasn't something that he did a lot. Um, Josh wasn't doing this maliciously. I was able to deduce by that shaking hand. What I was able to take away by that shaking hand was that Josh was desperate. He was afraid, and he needed money. And I don't equivocate the, the, the two. I draw a distinction at the two. And, um, you know, both could have led to the same result, though. Hmm. You know, fear, fear causes accidents. Shaking hands that have guns in it is very dangerous. And, but for, for everybody's, it, everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. No one was hurt. Um, and here's the thing about that, too. Josh, uh, Josh, we could tell right off the bat, didn't know what he was doing. Now, with, with the less than, um, with the kind of background I had, I'd, I'd known a few people in my day who would not falter like that when they were doing a job. So let, let, me just be, let me just be very straight with everybody. Come on. If someone wanted to take money from me, they wouldn't come in here waving a gun. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have, like, first off, gone to Shane pointing a gun at his head. The first thing that someone in Josh's position, according to my own anecdotal observations, if they wanted money from me, would come straight to me crack me in the face with the butt of their gun, and at that point, everybody in the room will do whatever you want. That's all there is to it. He didn't, he didn't have that in him, hmm. right? And I was able to... And he's a teenager, right? 19 years old at yeah. the time. Wow. And I was able to recognize that right off the bat. So um, I wasn't distressed. Um, I was working in cool, calm, operated mode. So was Shane. Shane, Shane had some, served some time. He doesn't scare easy. Um, Javon is six foot three or something like that, you know. So this guy came into a shop of three very, um, you know, rough around the edge looking guys staring him down, right? Sure. And uh, so he uh, he finally gets he finally gets the cash, 
and he runs uh, he runs to the door. Now our door it swells up when it gets wet and it had been raining earlier that week and that door was swole up. <laughs> he tried to get that door open. He leaned into it. He pulled it. <laughs> it didn't budge and it had two deadbolts and he started panicking. That one goes right. They both go right. No, that's wrong. They both go left. The one goes right, one goes left. The other one goes left. The other goes right. He was having a hard time and we were just sitting around looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? You can't get out the door. You can't get out the door. It's just like you don't know what you do in that moment. Right. I'm like, is he going to turn around? He's going to get mad. He's going to point his gun at us again. What's he going to do? And it's going on a ridiculous amount of time. Uh, finally, in his frustration, he goes to the window. He knocks it out. And, um, and, and in my head, I'm like, no. Slow motion. No. <laughs> my window. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was, I, well, I was a little concerned about the window. Sure. But um, he jumps out. Now, so when he jumps out of the window... There's all these jagged edges around the frame of the window that are still protruding, like an awful shark mouth. He's just jumping right into the shark mouth. Mm. And at the bottom of that is a pile of glass that he just knocked out on the ground waiting to intercept him. So he jumps out head first like he just got out of a Nicolas Cage movie. (laughs) Face off. You know, name name any of them. That's right. Con Air. Con Air. Yeah. He just jumps right on out. And um, while he does that, his legs kick up and hit the second pane of glass that's over the first pane of glass that he just went out of. So not only is he falling into a pile of glass and he jumped through protruding sharp shards of glass, he has glass falling on top of him now. So as he's limping away, he doesn't realize he severed a major artery in his buttock. He goes home. I hurt right now. (laughs) He goes home and he's bleeding all over the place. His dad takes him in, worried to death about him, at 2.30 in the morning. And, you know, the nurses and the doctors at at the hospital, they know better. He tried to give them a story, like, yeah, I got, you know, I got someone cut me with a knife or whatever. He he told them something. They're like, these are not those types of cuts. Like, they knew right off the bat. And they called the detective. Of course, you know, the police are in close contact with the hospitals around there looking for those types of leads, and the detective caught them. And, and that was that. They brought back the money the very next day, and I'm just sitting there going like, whoa, what what a trip. There's cardboard in the window with duct tape, and I'm like just reeling from this. And um, and one thing you said, too, that people didn't know, and he didn't know, was on the other side of the door, if the door had opened, that's right. he would have probably been killed. Yeah, because Devon's wife was waiting for him. Javon, yeah. Yeah, that's Javon, right. sorry, yeah. Was so, waiting for him. J- that's exactly right. So Javon, who who left his piece in the car with his with his girl, his girlfriend, she had seen everything that was going on on the inside, and she was standing right outside the door with the gun pointed straight out of the door. Now it's almost like a divine intervention of sorts when you see something like that. The door swole up, preventing Josh from going out and meeting his certain death. I was just just a coincidence away from having someone die on the front porch of red-handed tattoo which honestly, a 19 year old kid that yeah 19 year old kid which by the way had a baby at home a brand new baby mm. which explains to me a lot of his uh mindset you know to tell you the truth he, he must have felt really lost nowhere to go no idea how he's going to support his kid i mean i'm i'm just throwing this out there these were all the things that were going sure. on in my head but i didn't know that at the time so there she is, pointing the piece at the door, waiting for him to come out. When the door refuses to open, 
and he goes out the side window where she doesn't have access or perspective to. And and it's almost saved like his life. saved his life. It was almost like something you see out of Pulp Fiction. It was just too <laughs> perfect not to be grace. Mm. It was too perfect. Everybody ended up safe at the end of the night. No one no one got killed. And um, so while while we're reflecting on that, um, I I start you know looking up Josh's relatives because. I, honestly, I'll tell you the truth. I I, I had a, a rough background, and I started thinking, okay, if I'm going to – this guy tried to rob me. If my kid would have been here, uh, there's a good chance I would have died between him and hmm. the door that leads to, to where my kid hangs out, right? But she wasn't, thank goodness, and my head wasn't there. Um, but uh, I was consumed with revenge for a short time and I started looking up his family members and and seeing okay if I retaliate and and this is old Micah trying to creep through hmm. this is this is like this is like Micah with no therapy you know this is like <laughs> you know I've come so far y'all I've come so far and so many years of therapy have taught me some tricks um, one of those things is anger no one can make you mad you allow yourself to become angry so I said to myself, don't let him be angry. Don't let him get you angry, Micah. Let's just think our way through this. And I said to myself, you know, being like this never helped you as a young man. It got you a bad reputation, got you in lots of fights, and got you in a lot of crappy situations. Why don't we try something different here? Rather than go down the list and see which of these people I got to worry about if I rough Josh up or whatever, let's just try forgiving him. Let's just try letting it go and, um, and let's start to harbor the best of intentions for this family. His father can't be going through a good time. I looked him up. He was a minister. He graduated from Tulane. He was in the armed forces, a model citizen. And I go, a, a father that loving, I can't imagine, or a mother that loving, what they could be going through right now to see their son go down this path. Hmm. Now, having gone down that path myself, I empathized with that, and I felt really bad for his parents. So I made up in my mind. I said, "Mikey, you gotta, you gotta meet them. You gotta reach out to them. That's all there is to it." Well, lo and behold, before I could even do a thing, Mr. Jefferson, Joshua's dad, shows up at the doorstep of Red Handed Tattoo, and and um, one of my coworkers, Micah, there's there's a man named Mr. Jefferson here to see you and it's almost as if i had been expecting them i go good i've been i've been waiting for them hmm. it came out of my mouth i didn't even mean to say it i've been waiting for him and uh he took i took him in the back and and we sat down and he just his eyes just started watering up and he started shaking his head and he was having a hard time talking i i, I put my hand on his hand i said mr jefferson i know why you're here and i'm uh i'm worried about your son too so I hate to see you like this. How about this? I will work with you, and I will go to court with you, and I will do what I can to help you get your boy out of this trouble. Now, when I was in trouble, at the age of 21, I burnt down my apartment, and um, they confiscated a lot of, uh, a, a lot. well, I'll just say it, three, yeah. pound, three pounds of weed, and I'm lucky they didn't find anything else because <laughs> I had a whole bunch of other stuff. But... Um, I knew how to hide it. 
the the weed was bulky though. Like a pound of weed is pretty bulky. You could fit an entire um, Johnny's pizza bag. You know those carrier boxes. Oh, yeah. You could you know easy easy one elbow. Well, that's what we called a pound back in the day as an LB period. One elbow. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, um, one elbow per pizza box, and um, so I got in trouble. My place burnt down, and do you know those pizza boxes have aluminum inlay? Everything burnt down except for the weed, and they got me for the weed. <laughs> um, they got me for the weed because I, well, I once the place burnt down, I was two stories high, and I had to jump out of the second story window to escape. I, that's one of those times in my life that I was going through a lot. And you were doing I, your own Nick Cage movie. <laughs> I was in my own. It's exactly right. You were desperate, and I went out the window too, just like Josh. Hmm. But only under different circumstances. Sure. My place was in fire, I w- and I was two stories high. He was only one. Lucky. <laughs> Lucky guy. <laughs> he did go through some more glass than you, yeah. probably. That is true. There you go. It's a trade-off. Yeah. That is true. And uh, so I was, I was privy to what kind of experience that uh, his family was in for. And empathy you used is such a great word. I mean, it's so lacking, and I think it's so easy to judge people and look at it, but you haven't gone through some of that stuff empathize in a way that other people couldn't yeah because especially as a small business owner i mean getting you know your money taken away from you even if it's all cash it's still it's a big place in the window yeah Yeah, and replacing the window and plus the psychological toll there's not many people that especially small business owner that would come back and go yeah let's help this guy out yeah most people would be like no let's go after him and let's bury him in the jail and if you think about it when has it done anybody any good like when you don't have when you don't have real rehabilitative services in a uh, in our you know the private prison system that we have what you're all you're doing is creating more recidivists mm-hmm. you're not you're not reforming anybody and um that's part of the problem you know um and i and i believe that yeah. i don't i i was good i um i know albert woodfox and i'm not sure if y'all are familiar with mr woodfox no. he's a buddy of mine he was part of the uh the angola three now my talking to to albert he has convinced me that prisons are an obsolete institution, but so many people are intent on what you just said. They want to lock them up. They're not seeing the human being. Now, in many cases, hey, let's admit it, a lot of people deserve to be locked up. But in this particular case, I didn't feel um, I didn't feel uh, was pertinent to, to Josh in, in those regards. And right? you had told us talking earlier that your mom was a social worker too. And so That's you right. had worked with people and seen that side of things and know the system better Absolutely. than most and how it does fail people often. Often. And, um, you know, having a mom as a social worker and both my parents were artists and, and doing uh, charity work at the Philadelphia Center growing up, working in food banks, hmm. working in outreach work, um, really geared me towards it but you know something else my dad told me when i was a little kid and i was real young and you know it if you in my opinion i come from a line of of uh empaths and when i say empaths i don't mean like this uh like kumbaya uh like shaman type stuff i really just mean making the effort to feel what other people are feeling Hmm. it's possible you can be in the same room as someone and you can feel what they're feeling and um, and that was also the case whenever I was talking to Mr. Jefferson. My heart just went out to him. Yeah. And, you know, I really feel like people need to practice their empathy. Because let's, let's face it, a lot of times um, when 
someone wants to press charges, it's it's not really for the honorable reasons. It's for revenge, pettiness, revenge, yeah. right? It's for those things, and um, those are that's a toxic source in which to assert yourself. I really feel like we should look past that, yeah, um, going forward. But it's it's hard to do, you know. We we live in uh, a state that's known for its it's private prison industrial complex, you know, mm. and you mentioned Angola. I mean, exactly. Just, yeah. And it, <laughs> there's a lot there to that. It's, and it's one of the biggest well-known prisons in the system. And we've done some work and actually gone down and done family day with Angola and sent amazing. groups. And I mean, it's heartbreaking to know yeah. what people go through and you just, yeah. you want to throw them away and lock up the key, not think about it. But like you said, being able to understand a little bit more and see, and just imagine yourself in that scenario changes how you look at everything. It's paramount when you start, when you when you look at when you look at someone and say that could have been me, and that's exactly what my dad told me when I was a little kid. He goes, "Son, mm-hmm. if you if you walk down the street and you see a house on fire and you see somebody up on the second floor in that fire, that could that could be you. And the only difference is that there's no difference. Mm-hmm. That could be you. And having him lay that on, that lay that trip on me." At, at such an early age and little things like that he did my whole life i was walking by a china shop a porcelain china doll shop in the mall uh about 15 18 i don't know i was about 19 years old and i go yeah i was with my dad i go yeah <laughs> who would open a china porcelain shop in the mall with all these teenagers who's gonna go do that and my, my dad goes well you know son it's heartbreaking to see someone put their dreams out in the line like that mm. only for them to flop and i said whoa Made me want to buy a China doll. Changes the whole perspective, yeah. Made me want to buy some porcelain China doll right on the spot. And I was like, wow. Little things like that 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 you can encourage in your children or in the people around you. You're like planting seeds, and you got to water that garden, right? Hey, we know some guy that talked about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Josh, you go through, you start going to court with him. Exactly. And what happens? Well, Josh is, Josh is, is still in jail at this, ti- at this time, and I'm going to court with his mom and dad. Yeah. And I'm getting to know them, really getting to appreciate their their friendship. And, um, you know, at the same time, um, Reader's Digest is interviewing me because of the humanitarian work that Red Handed did during the pandemic. We gave a bunch of free stuff out, and they told us evidently. We're going to tell that story next. Yeah, they they told us we did a lot of good, and we helped a lot of people. So Reader's Digest was um, interviewing me, and I was keeping them updated on the events with Mr. Jefferson and Joshua and Raffaella, who is his mom. Yeah. And um, they were just completely boggled by it. Like, Mike, like, Mike, you, you forgave someone who robbed you? I'm like, yeah, it's a crazy man. story. It, it's, but here's the thing. Everybody tells me it's crazy. Everybody's like, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure it sounds unbelievable uh, to, to, to some people. But, you know, just if that were just a little more normalized in society and it was if only it were a little less crazy the world would be a lot easier to live in not not just for us but but for a lot of people and that and that's so hard to see because you cannot see that truth until you start living that truth hmm. you know and uh, you really have to make the jump you have to make the jump into uncertainty you have to make the jump in the face of fear and failure and you have to you have to stare it down, and you have to make that jump. And it cost you something. I, there was sacrifice on your part. You took the time. You got to know them. You took time out of your schedule to go be with that family and sit in their pain and get to know them. And through that, you were changed. They were changed. And we get to share this story of, like you said, is unusual and is sad that it isn't 
the way that we are and way people are and way the country is, but it's inspiring to, I think a lot of people. And that's why we come talk to you today because I think it is, it should be normalized. It should be the default, but it's not. It, it, it can be. And here's the thing. Here's what I noticed. You make, you make, um, circles in the water. You know, you throw that Ripples. pebble, you, you throw that pebble in there and the, you make these little waves that keep going. And they just keep going, and they just keep going, and 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 then more people start throwing their pebbles in, and you start having it, and that's how that's all it takes, y'all. That's all it takes because, as y'all already know, when you start focusing your life on how, um, when you start asserting yourself in life, um, using the bonds and the relationships and and the desire to improve the world around you as the basis of your existence instead of say acquiring money or you know um you know put you know uh, american aspirations oh are, yeah the american dream right right get your picket white fence and you have That's your right. yard and your 2.5 kids and everything will be fine if you just get your stuff and try to protect yourself and make everything better for you exactly um in a way you're building a bubble to where you don't have to look at the stuff that that brings you discomfort but sitting down and coming face to face with with the people in that in our society where there are there are vast disparities between you and them and you and you bridge that gap you make the world a better place mm. you make the world a better place you let you allow someone to feel human and a lot of people out there who you you come across in, in on the path of life instead of walking over them when you stop to help and pick them up you'll find that they start doing the same thing too and that's how you can create not just one ripple in the water but but an endless infinite cyclical amount of it and you don't have the, you have an idea but our simple church logo is actually it's a box and it's the ripple that was part of what we did when we founded the church of I trying to make those ripples and justin our pastor is talking about that and that was really inspiring to him and that's just yeah. a great tie and that's no accident but we absolutely completely buy in and agree i love that no that's awesome so yeah. let's talk about another way that you made some ripples was the pandemic right you were doing good is what we call it there you go blake's showing you the logo right now oh i love that that's actually <laughs> what we are all about so we went to the pandemic Everybody experienced it in different ways. You're a tattoo artist. You had to stop doing tattoos. You lost your livelihood. The That's business right. shuts down. That's right. And what did you decide to do? Well, the first thing that I saw were so many people going without, but not just people. Really, some of the most vulnerable people in our society, elderly and immunocompromised. Mm. Now, I visit my grandmother every Sunday. I don't miss a beat. I, I'm there for and. I love my grandmother. Is she with your family? She's in a facility? No, she, she, she's still... On her own? Yeah. Wow, she's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So my grandmother's in an assisted living facility. We didn't get to see her for 14 months to go visit yeah, in person when it yeah. shut down with COVID, and it's heartbreaking. It is hard. I mean, it's tough. I couldn't visit her during during the pandemic for, yeah. for those reasons, but um, that's just how it is, and there were so many grandparents out there that couldn't get out. Well, basically, they were trying to get out, and they were getting to the shelves, and there were no nothing on the shelves. There right. were no toilet paper. They weren't able to fend for themselves, and um, I said to myself, well, you know, when the world around you looks like it's falling apart and everything that everybody is, is doing doesn't seem to be helping, well, in this case, let's just do the opposite. We saw all these people hoarding toilet paper. I had a bunch of toilet paper, and I went on the Internet, and I said, look, y'all. I'm really sorry to see so many 
immunocompromised and elderly going without. So I'm going to give away this toilet paper, and anybody that wants some can have it for free. I don't care. I got lots of it. I just started giving toilet paper away. And that somehow extended to Lysol, extended to thermometers, extended to masks. We, I even somehow got involved with a national uh, mask sewing effort. So masks were being made. We're distributing those. There are people driving this stuff out uh, to the homeless, to the hospitals. There are ho- nurses and doctors coming here. And you're using your business as the hub, the collection That's point. That's right. I mean, you just decided, since we can't do anything else, why not do it here? Why not? And I was, I was spending a good amount of money going out at 4 a.m. every morning because that's how pathological I was. Like, I was, I, I'll put it to you like this. My mom, my mom, when I was a kid, was an activist for ACT UP, which is AIDS Coalition Unleashed Power. Mm. It was an equal rights group that um, really helped a lot of people uh, who were dying of AIDS back then get treated with a little bit of human decency. Because at the time, um, they were sliding food trays across the floor at them and showing up in hazmat suits. And I get it. You don't know what's going on, but look, these, these people, they they're dying and and they they just simply deserve better and even at those at that time we knew that you couldn't get it from airborne um, right you couldn't get it from mosquitoes you couldn't get it from sitting on the toilet anything like that you just couldn't do it but it's fear it was totally fear and um act up went in and got all these people there you know went in and forced the hospitals to act right so they my mom was making national news as a as an activist so that when this pandemic hit i was triggered Y'all know how many people I seen die of AIDS when I was a kid? People who I loved. Like, my mom was so deep into this. Every per, every friend um, that died of AIDS, we were the first to know. Hmm. And at, that's pretty traumatic on a kid. So when yeah. this, when How this, old were you when that was going on? Uh, I was 8 to the age of 15 wow. when I saw most of that. Yeah, because I think I have a 6-year-old daughter, and just imagine putting her in those scenarios and doing that. It'd be tough. It was rough, you know, and, and um, there were legislators. There were, like, anti-gay legislators who who made um, AIDS drug assistance waiting lists where people people were dying, um, mm. and it was a it was really bad. It, yeah, not the church's best moment overall, and I just actually watched a movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. It's Tammy Faye Baker, and she had on a pastor who had AIDS on via teleconference on the show and as a part of the movie and her story of trying to do the right thing and reach out to them because, oh, again, the church overall, Big C Church, doesn't really look good in a lot of these situations, just like this pandemic. Right. That's that's exactly right. Well, sad. It it, it it triggered me, and so you know, Reader's Digest was was um, talking to me. Yeah, how'd they find out? How'd they get the story? Someone slipped. Someone told them about me, and they looked into me. and And out of twelve hundred submissions, they narrowed it down to um, one per state, and then oh, uh, oh, they narrowed it down to two hundred and twelve. Then one per. St- one per state wow. and and red-handed tattoo got nicest places place in louisiana uh via reader's digest because of, so because crazy. Of the it is crazy <laughs> and i no offense i'm the only reader's digest person i know not to offend them is my grandmother right she got it and always had it at her house but yeah. you said it has 10 million subscribers 10 million de- uh, their demographic is 10 million strong wow right and after they did the story Louisiana Public Broadcast picked up the story, and then now this news picked up the story. So I estimated, based off of their core demographics from the from November to December 2020, 20 million people read about us here at Red Handed Tattoo in that time, and it and that was something I wasn't I wasn't looking for. 
like I said, I was triggered into doing. You know, like that yeah, this work. is a publicity stunt. I'm going to go right. and do toilet paper so I can get more tattoo art, more right business. It, it just it, it it just snowballed, y'all. I'm getting thirty to fifty calls a day. People need help. People need some serious help out there, and and we're trying to make sure no one falls through the cracks. <laughs> Which so, is just it's so mind boggling to think. Let's call the tattoo people. <laughs> That's who we're going to go to for getting help. And you said the hospital started coming. The and hospitals, reaching. the nurses, they couldn't the get what they needed. The 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 channel three channels. All the all the news stations started showing up because they started hearing about red handed tattoo. Um, Doug Warner, just like all these people. He's a simple church guy. We know Doug. Yeah, Doug. Tell him I said hi. He's I an will. awesome guy. <laughs> I like messing with them on the internet every now and then, and it's a lot of fun. I'm all in his comment section all the time. Sorry, Doug. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so all the all the snowball started rolling, and it really got out of hand. I mean, I was pulling in 12 to 15 hour days, and and so at the end of the three months, as you can imagine, when I finally got some rest, I was physically exhausted, and and I fell out for quite some time. Uh, trying to recover spirit, spiritually and emotionally. Do you have an idea of how much stuff you gave out or how many people you helped during that time? Because it was a large amount, right? I thousands mean, of people. No clue how many. We yeah. were just doing it left and right. Um, you know, I I know that it's about ten grand worth of stuff. Hmm. I just know, that's the dollar amount that we spent on it. Yeah, and um, and that's also about three grand worth of. Uh, stuff that was donated too so we were getting like all types of donations and i was putting out on the web y'all i'll i'll pay you for lysol and this and that and i had a long list of things that nobody else could get and you said you go negotiate with some of the grocery stores right i did some people I, that are trying to take advantage of the situation i uh that's right I, look i undercut everybody i could so you had all these hoarders out there and i thought to myself there's only one way to beat these guys and that's to become worse than them so i became the worst <laughs> black market black friday Friday, toilet paper hoarder, anybody could imagine I was like a... But to give it away. A Robin Hood of right. toilet paper, that, if you will. I, That's exactly what I was. Here, need some Lysol? Here we are. Steal from the rich. That's right. And um, Robin toilet. And oh. I learned a lot of... Robin paper. <laughs> it, you know, you really don't know what a blessing toilet paper is until you don't have it, too. Oh, yeah. We never ran out, but I remember being nervous. Mm-hmm. It's... It, it's a scary thing. It, For sure. They're all trying to think of Robin Hood names now. They're just trying that's to. right. Well, no, I was also thinking, like, that's where I had the advantage because I was single. So toilet paper wasn't a big deal for me. Right. right. For a lot of people, though, it was a pretty big deal, especially if you had several kids. And, oh, yeah. yeah it oh, was yeah. a big deal. Oh, yeah. Well, I had all the tricks down. You know, uh, when toilet paper was out, go look in the RV section because they're going to have RV toilet paper ah. there. Right. So I, you know, and I will always show up at these places at four or five, six in the morning as soon as they open. And I was just there. I was the toilet paper hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Nietzsche says, battle not with monsters lest ye become the monster in mm. which the monster I was. And, um, and there was a lot of gratification and love that came out of that, but I'm going to be super, super honest with y'all. I, I received a lot of it, and I tried to reciprocate as much as I could. But you know when you're doing that kind of work, you can't be slowed down by your emotions. I really disassociated a lot to do what I had to do. Hmm. You know, I had to put it behind me because I was on a mission. Yeah. And even though I appreciated all the kind words, you know, I get even to, even now I get letters from prison uh, prisons all across the country. I had a veteran from California send me a letter last week saluting me. 
Mm. I'm like, wow, man, I salute you. I wrote him back. I salute you. Vietnam vet. You know, this guy sounded amazing. And here he is taking time to put a stamp on a letter and send it to me because of a, a Reader's Digest that he read about me. Hmm. Uh, and all, and this, this one guy in particular in an Illinois prison sends me artwork. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people you can touch when you make those ripples. Absolutely. You know, so I started getting letters from all over the country and it's really quite mind blowing. But Darren, Darren here, here's what made me, here's what made me a believer in giving myself over and surrendering to the uncertainty of the future to my fears, to all the bad things that we can concoct about what's going to happen to us. All that went away when I was helping people. And, um, and it seemed like I was able somehow, whatever force is driving us in this world and whatever force is pushing the planets and whatever force is keeping the fiber of time and space together, I felt had created a path for me which was all green lights. So I experienced a state of grace I'll never forget. And uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but my whole process through that was no process at all. Hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was in this in one particular instance, I didn't have any more antibacterial soap. A nurse had come. She said, Micah, we don't have any antibacterial soap for the whole ward. I go, I got it. It was my last gallon. I said, I got a gallon for you. Come on by and get it. Instantly started worrying. My anxiety's through the roof. How am I going to get more? How am I going to get more soap? There's four people on the wait list waiting for soap right now. What am I going to do? She showed up. She got the soap. She left. And I'm sitting there with my head in my hand, trying to think, trying to figure it out. When I got a phone call from my good friend, Eric Allen, who owns Ed's Emporium over on Barksdale, said, Micah, I just found five gallons of antibacterial soap. And every single thing was like that. When I ran out, I would worry about it. I would, I would stress. And then poof, it was almost as if just thinking about it made it happen. And I created, well, whether I created it or whether it was there or no matter what, I experienced a state of grace that I will never forget for as long as I live. Because hmm. in my long life of speed bumps and red lights for three months, I got nothing but green lights. Each door that I knocked on opened. What do you take away from an experience like that? Hmm. All, what if all your ambitions in life were nothing but knee-high to the aspiration of making ripples like that, right? Absolutely. How crazy is that? <laughs> and that is great. And that is why we wanted to come talk to you today because yeah. there's ripples. We heard about the story. We know people that you affected their lives and were helping and just, man, I think it's so inspiring more than anything else of somebody just doing something to help somebody else because at the end of the day, you didn't get anything from it. You weren't doing it to get something from it, but you did get blessed. You did get that grace. And by doing that, that's what we believe at Simple Church. We're trying to love God, love people, but we added the byline to solve problems. 
because when you solve somebody else's problem, you're being like Jesus. You're going and helping and doing what he's supposed to. Leave all the other religion and the other stuff to the side. At the end of it, he was feeding the people. He was serving people. He's washing feet. Washing feet. And trying to solve the problem of their emotional poverty, their spiritual poverty, to help them by meeting a practical need. That's right. And you did that. And yeah. that's, man, that's so awesome. We're so thankful you shared the story. No, it is. And we talked for almost an hour already. Man, Crazy. it's flying. Wow. It's great. So we're going to wrap up this part of the podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thank but y'all Scott, for having me. No, but Scott wanted us to have another part of the podcast. Right. Oh, is it my turn? It is your turn. <laughs> because we're not done. No, because I have uh, a small tattoo on my left arm. <laughs> And uh, for people goes, at home that don't know, yeah, Scott, it actually goes from your all elbow all the way down your back. Yeah, well, back and front. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but Evan has no tattoos, zero. And Micah, you have quite a few. What was your first tattoo, Micah? Do you remember? It's it, been a long time. Yeah, I did. It was uh, on my kneecap. On your kneecap? Ooh, yeah. Ow. It was this um, black tribal skull right there on my kneecap. Man. There you go. Yeah, all in, right on the. First try. Yeah, this was this one was my first one. This giant one that's on my left side. It was my first tattoo. I was like, Impressive. just go for it. Blake is here. You haven't heard yeah. Blake. He's off mic there, but Blake got a tattoo. Yeah. Does your parents know that? Did I just out yeah. you? No, no, his parents. Okay, know. Good. I'll yeah. make sure. That's a good. But anyway, but Evan, Evan has I'm always the only been tattooless person. Uh, in this he's he's a, room right he's now. always been a good he's been a good boy. <laughs> yeah. He's never you know Evan is very practical. He yeah. doesn't live on the edge very much. Right. And so today, or really not today, but a week or two ago when I was talking about talking to you, I made a deal with Evan. Of course, all this was all fair, that if we did this, he would have to get a tattoo. And he kind of sort of agreed. But now that we're here, he's actually going to get one today. Rubber meets the road, Micah. We're going to yeah. do it. We're, so we're going to. Yeah, he's going to get it. I don't know what he's going to get. We're going to take a break. Yes. We're going to get set up and then we're going to come back and Blake's going to help fill in and yeah. explain what's happening. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm going to get whatever. <laughs> Literally whatever. Hello. Hi, Blake. Hi, Mom. Mom. Yeah, my mom always. Yeah. Mom is the best listener. Oh, yeah. So, right now, we're watching Evan. I wish, you know what, I'm going to film this for our, for some, you know, just for posterity steaks. Steaks? Steaks. Because right now, Evan is, is, he's getting drawn on for the tattoo. We haven't said what he's getting, Scott. I have a suggestion. You you go ahead. Well, and say no, no, first. we know what he's getting. He's getting his wife's name tattooed on him. Okay, he didn't with go with heart. mine. I was pretty. No, I him. wanted him. Here's what I wanted. I wanted him to get a tattoo of my face on his arm, and then I would get a tattoo of his face on my arm. Okay, that was his initial. Yeah, that was my initial idea, which Evan was was not for. But I, that's what I wanted. Mallory, you'll be disappointed. I said Evan needs to get a baby coming out of his belly button. That's weird. <laughs> well. Mine was actually kind of funny. Yours was just weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. So, Evan, are you nervous? No, I'm fine. Needles, needles are not going to bother you? No, I'm not a problem with needles. I've never really had a problem getting shots. Yeah, it really anything. doesn't. To me, and this was just my experience with mm. my tattoo. Ev- sure. or, what's your name, Blake? Had a different experience. Yeah, I forgot his name. What for was a your second. experience, Blake? Well, and Micah, this will no, it'll come as no surprise to you. Whoa, hold on. No it'll come surprise. as no surprise to you. But uh, Scott told me it kind of felt like sort of like if you had a mask to your skin, which is you know. Yes, for me it felt like I don't know if you've ever had a cigarette burn. I have not. Yeah, but or or <laughs> like, sure? like if, or like a match. You know how like a match, 
like the in the head of the match will fall on you, and you know, like or you, you know, you, you like it. It's a little slow burn. Mm. Also, never happened to me. Really, no. you've never like like by accident. Evan's very careful really. around flames. Yes. I do. My mother was yeah. very. But anyway, concerned. to me, it it to me it felt like a burn. To me, it felt like if you had a fish hook and you kind of just drag it across the surface of your skin. That sounds pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I and it to, really wasn't... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. it really wasn't bad for me, but mine is up near my armpit, and when she got close <laughs> to the, like, the flabbier skin, uh, which, you know, it's there, uh, it was pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. For me, the worst part on uh, for me was definitely the collarbone. Yeah. Yeah. The collarbone hurt. That I mean... Terrible. Let me let me let me back up. The whole thing hurt, mm. but the most painful was the collarbone. So how long did yours take? Fourteen hours. Oh my! Mine gosh. took about twenty minutes. Yeah. Michael, what's the longest one you've ever done? Eight hours. Okay. Eight hours. Yeah, my fourteen hours was not fourteen hours straight. Consecutive. Yeah, it yeah, was broken up. What's the? But Micah, what's the craziest thing you've ever tattooed? I don't know if you can answer that. <laughs> oh y'all! Here, let me see. Okay, I got a good one. I guess about 10 years ago, I had a guy come in. He wanted me to color his nipples in and make them into balloons with little stick men holding them. So this guy's got two stick men holding balloons for his areolas. <laughs> That's pretty weird. And stay tuned. <laughs> believe it or not. Believe it or not. I remember that. How do you remember that? Because I was at the tattoo Scott, shop. Shirt. Scott is that man. I am not that man, but, but I remember because that was the tattoo shop on Benton Road. Yep, wow. there you go. I remember that Good because pull, that's Scotty. when I when I got my tattoo was around that time. Mm-hmm. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So if you're that guy, we want to hear from you. Yep, reach out to us at the MSM yeah, TV. Well, but that's because everyone was talking about. Well, it. sure. That I remember that. Out. Wow, that just it was like a like a scent memory. Scent? Have you ever refused to do yeah, one, Mike? Have you ever said like I just can't do this to you? Oh yeah. Well, I try not to. There have been some. Um, some opportunities where well some instances where i tried to give someone an opportunity to back out um aside from like okay so i'm I'm not there's a there's lots that i will refuse to do you know we don't want to do anything hateful out of this shop you know so there's there's a lot of that going on out in the world but other than that um no i'll tattoo just about anything anybody anytime anywhere no balloons and all yeah so cool no babies. They're so they haven't made that legal yet, but when they do, I'll be. What on determines that too, a baby? Babies. Nine months is you're good, right? Yeah, you're a toddler at that point. It's yeah. Fine. yeah. <laughs> I would hope a year. I think the law is eighteen, right? Is that true, or did the I make law that is up? Is eighteen, but you can sign off for your kids. It's not. Oh, really? Yeah. What is the youngest age you've ever tested? Micah, so, fifteen. 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 Ooh. Okay. Parents consent. But we Eliza. Don't do that anymore? That Watch was more out. like nineties type stuff sure. when it was going like fire across the country now people are a little more moderate and they want their kids to wait till they can make some sound decisions right and you know sometimes that is uh some parents it's discretionary i trust the judgment of parents concerning their kids when they talk to their kids and their kids want a tattoo and it's a sound choice and it's reasonable then yeah you know and sometimes being the cool parent and letting your kid uh have that tattoo will keep them from going crazy when they finally turn 18 you gotta admit it Mm-hmm. If you try to restrict them too much and they want something bad enough, when they turn 18, they're going to go crazy with it. So if you don't want your kid doing it, it's almost like you should let them do it a little bit. A safe, controlled environment. There you go. And, of course, that's just a, that's just a, a blanket statement. Sure, you know? opinion. But, yeah. Right, right. But that, that's, that is my opinion. And I, and I, um, so if my kids came up to me 
16, 17, and they're dead set on it, I'd listen to them, you know, and I'd weigh my my suggestions in. But o- overall, um, it's not unusual to see that. You know, a lot of parents, a lot of kids are wanting tattoos when they're 17 so they can show it off at school before they get out for the summer, right. you know, yeah. and stuff like that. There's a lot of that going on. We pierce a lot of... Uh, I have a story about piercing, so I'll embarrass Mallory here. Mallory got a piercing without telling her mom when she turned 18, my wife, and they sent a postcard to follow up to the house. No <laughs> way. So she got busted that way. That's awesome. Uh, Mallory. Nice tattoo shop. Right? Let's not underestimate how nice tattoo shops are these days. <laughs> there you go. So I know the nicest one in America, or at least Louisiana for That's sure. Right. That's right. Absolutely. All right, so the prep work's done here. It's the art's looking good. That's right. What do you think about that? I love it. Let's I think take it's a peek exactly like when I think of stereotypical tattoo from the 1920s. That Now, that is a pro at work. <laughs> I feel like this is something Popeye well, would have got. Give it a look. Oh, but you hadn't started yet. Not yet. Oh, you haven't seen major Rudy vibes the way yeah. you're taking Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I love Rudy. Oh, gosh. Oh, me too. All right. So, I know I just drew this on there, but we're going to take some of it off with alcohol because here's what happened. If I, if I were to go into this tattoo after drawing it on you, even with a dry needle, it's going to push some of that ink through. Hmm. Um, from the marker. So we're going to take some of that marker off, and I'm just going to tattoo off of this ghost image, okay? Perfect. I trust you completely. Let's and we it. won't say this on camera, but uh, Evan's getting a little alcohol in him, too. Are we Are we rolling? <laughs> oh, wait. Turn that off. Yeah. No, Evan's taking it like a champ. Oh, do you hear that, right. kids? You hear that, Here everybody? Comes. Ready. First line. That's not too bad. No. Yeah. Look I at just him. got my COVID booster last week. It feels kind of like There you that. go. <laughs> there you go. Look at you, taking it like a champ. There you go. Scott, you stopped video. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I did. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. What am I doing here? Yeah, Blake's got the better angle than I do. I'm For just sure. sitting on the couch. Take a Look at that. Look at that face. Out. Well, actually, you can't see that face, kids. But if you could, it's just stoic. Grit. Determination. Sto- <laughs> Rit? Grit. Grit. Oh, Rit. I'm sorry. Rit. <laughs> All right, Shakespeare. <laughs> let's get a hold of yourself. Shakespeare. Well, Scott, you talked me into it. I did. I have a tattoo now. Yes, you do. It's beautiful. <laughs> I would have never thought. You're welcome. That's right. If anyone's going to be a bad influence, it's going to be me. That's it. Mike, I hope I spelled anonymity right. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you made that oh, wait. joke with somebody? You yeah. mean you wanted M-N-E. Oh, this, it'll come oh, off right. I'm glad we did that in water. <laughs> We'll just cover it up uh, with something like Johnny yes. Depp, right? He did Why I Know Forever. That's right. We can just find something else. We'll figure it out. That's right. You made it. You you made it through like a champ, though. Hey, I appreciate that. Scott. I know. I know a, a a certain police officer who was on SWAT. Who I'm not going to mention him by name, but he got his first tattoo. He passed out. Really? And he's a that tough wasn't that bad. dude. Really and he is bad. a tough guy. So there you go. There you go. Well, luckily it's just on my face, so it wasn't yeah. that bad. <laughs> you should. <laughs> That got you. That's good. <laughs> that got me. That That's got right. Me. Micah, thank you so much for Gentlemen, your time. Thanks thank for talking so with us. Thank Thanks yes. for doing good. That's what we're all about. Yeah. We want to celebrate people doing that. This means the world to us that you're out here in part of Shreveport in the community. There's a lot of bad news. There's a lot of negative stuff, and we want to try to point out some of the good stuff. We guys, think you're part of it. Y'all, this has been such a treat for me. Oh, and man. You guys are like rays of sunshine, so I enjoyed it. Very much so. I appreciate you having me it's on. Awesome. We appreciate yeah. you, man. Thanks for downloading Backstage with the Simple Church, the podcast. Scott, you're going to get a tattoo now. Yes. Yeah, and it's going to be random. I don't even know what I'm getting. Dealer's choice. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Download this episode. Make sure you subscribe. Get every episode and leave us a five-star review. Helps people to find it, and you can hear more do-good stories just like this. <laughs>